It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, Anchor.fm, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. I am Joe O'Donnell. He is John Mita. Johnny Mita. What's up, brother? Joe, how good is it, my friend? How is uh, the beautiful state of Iowa treating you, man? Is it nice and open well, there? Other than, being of... a, other than being a COVID hotbed, is everything's it, great. Is oh, it COVID dude, hot? You haven't been paying attention? Nah, Iowa City not, not and really Ames good. are like the top two towns in the country right now. Really? For for like percentage, of, I don't know if it's positive tests or by population or Jeez. who knows how they're skewing the numbers. But yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy, man. You go out to the store and like not everybody's wearing a mask. And I, and I will say I was sort of, I don't say it was anti-mask early on, but out here in like April, May, you know, there weren't a lot of places requiring you to wear one. So I was going to the grocery store without one and just keeping my distance and yeah. wash my hands and sanitizing in the car. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, and then you come back east and you get used to wearing a mask a little bit. And, like, it's not too bad. And if it really helps, like, what's the big deal? So now I'm back out here for, like, Iowa 2.0. And and I'm looking at people not wearing masks either in the gas. You know, they walk in the convenience store after they're pumping gas or yeah. in the grocery store. And, you know, I'm kind of giving them, like, the eyeball. Like, you know, what's the big deal? Like, put it on for the 15 minutes you're in the store, I guess, is my point. And um anyway so yeah it's pretty much uh it's the wild wild west out here man you just you know at your own risk i guess but uh whatever we're doing good to answer your question in a long-winded way all right all right that's good to hear uh you know we're gonna be locked down for another 90 days so uh yeah you know well, you had a hell of a bachelor party weekend at the beach and not your I, bachelor party but a you. bachelor party that's so i'm glad right. you and d bird survived uh yeah, and the d bird was hanging with tommy green Oh, so he yeah. might have to be a podcast guest at some point. I think I think we have a strong possibility we can get old Tommy on. Yeah, let's I mean, do that. Let's dial him up at some point. Maybe you know, maybe some playoff baseball. Tommy Green can break it down for woo! us because today we're going to talk a few minutes on the fight and fills the red Hell hot. Um, you know, the grease fire last place team. Real Muto's going to leave. I hate the organization. All of a sudden, you win nine to ten, <laughs> which in a uh, in a thank you Jefferson. <laughs> In a 162-game season, that'd be winning like 22 or 25 or something crazy. So, uh, which we all know this will do. But, hey, listen, they've, they've turned around. Harper said we got to win 9 of 10. Right on cue, they win 9 of 10. What have you made of it? Well, I mean, you know, I think it's – I think it's amazing. I, you know, I kind of look back at you know, when Jimmy made the prediction, like, you know, we're going yeah. to win the division. And it was just coming from, you know, a place of leadership and people respected Jimmy and they just, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you throw it out there, you put it in the air, you say it, you get guys believing, you win a couple games. I do like the fact that finally we got some serviceable bullpen arms. Thank you. Amazing, Matt. isn't it? Thank you, Matt Clintech. I mean, it only took a couple months, you know, a couple blown games, a couple, a little bit of everything, but, uh, Alicia uh, came to the forefront and, 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 and made a change to, to make a difference. And right. if this team has a serviceable bullpen, I mean, look, who knows what they could do. But I think some of the bright spots, right? Early on, I think a lot of people are a little lukewarm on Joe Girardi. But, man, if you get the guy some bullpen help and some other players, it right. looks like the guy can manage pretty damn well. You gotta love the fact that Reese Hoskins is coming back. Um, yep, I was a little scared. I thought, up oh, here we go again. He's just not looking 
I mean, he can take pitches. He looked lost. He looked yeah. lost. Like I told you, I think maybe it was the last podcast or two podcasts before that. He looked high as a kite at the plate. But yeah, now his resurgence. And if you put that type of power hitter back in this type of lineup, you know, McCutcheon's coming around. Scotty yep. Jetpacks had a game winning. I mean, he was in the toilet. He had a nice three run ding dong to win a game in extras. And they bring up the kid, Alec Baum. He's been. You know, phenomenal hitting the ball, surprising. He's made some really good standout defensive plays. So, yeah, I mean, I, you gotta love the way. They, first of all, this division stinks. By the way, yes, okay. Well, the whole National League has yeah. like three teams over five hundred. It's not it's great. The Braves, right? The Phillies, the Dodgers, and like maybe one other right. team, and everybody else right. is five hundred or right. below. Yeah. So, I mean, the Dodgers, um, the Dodgers are lights out. I mean, they're just running away yeah. with everything. Shocker there. Um, because they just have just a loaded roster. Um, but I, I think it's and, – and you also have to look at as much as I hate Matt, Matt Clintac, and I do dislike strongly Matt Clintac, yeah. yeah. you got to love the signing of Zach Wheeler. I mean, that guy's come in, and he has looked like a flat-out ace. He's kind of out-pitched Nola if you think about it. But the oh, great, yeah. But the great, you know, the great punch of Nola and Wheeler is pretty significant. And then yep. if Eflin comes around and just rounds into some type of form, you don't know what you're – I mean, Arietta is just Arietta. He stinks. Uh, yeah. Well, right, exactly. And then Spen- – Listen, Spen- the postseason, you need, a three, you need a three-team ro- – a three-man rotation, really, in the, in the it, postseason. It, exactly. So. Got to have it. So, and Spencer Howard, you know, he's getting his feet wet. He got roughed up early in some of his previous starts, but – Yep, he he's pitched a lot better and, and and finally earned his first major league win. So, all in all, things are things are things are looking up. Um, and look, Roman Quinn's playing better baseball. It's amazing what some confidence does. Oh, it's huge! One or two guys start hitting. You win a few games. Then all of a sudden, it's less of the bad news Bears plays, less of the errors. The guys seem more focused. They seem more engaged. They're having fun. Uh, but you're right. The leaders on this team are stepping up. Gregorius has been solid. Uh, McCutcheon's coming around, as you said. JT's JT. Jim. Reese is hitting the baseball. Right. Bryce Harper MVP. during this stri- like, during this streak yeah. has actually had his average drop about 60 points. Like he was hitting 340 right. 10 days ago. He's hitting like 280 now. So yeah. they're doing this without him carrying the team, which is a great sign. I will add just a couple of things. If Matt Klintak is good for anything, we've seen it. It's the bargain basement deals, right? Get Jay Bruce uh, on a way uh, on a flyer. A, He's been outstanding. Yeah. Uh, you know, adding a piece here or there in his previous years. It's you, you know not huge moves, but uh, like Ramos. You know, yeah. a couple of years as the extra catcher. Like they, j- he's just done a few things where he hasn't given up a whole lot, right. and he's gotten better value in return. Now, who knows? Five years from now, some of these players to be named later that we shipped off or minor league prospects could be all-stars. But for right now, the bullpen help he got, he got it for cheap, it appears, to bail out what was a terrible offseason in that regard. Yeah. Um, you know, he just seems to be a GM that's better at, let me pick up this guy that's available. And maybe that was the play in this type of season. It's such a short year. Uh, teams fall out of it quickly. Well, who, who is the guy? They want to move a reliever, whereas instead of signing that guy in the offseason yeah. or bringing somebody in, now you just say, hey, who wants to sell – and then gobble up a couple of bullpen arms for cheap. I mean, you know, who, that's the only thing he's been good yeah. for. Yeah, well, who was the guy last year that, that made a nice little – was it Corey Dickerson? I 
Yeah, Dickerson came in. Yeah, yeah. that, I mean, that exactly. was another one of he those. He seems to be rather... better with those patch, yes, right. those patchwork moves than anything else. But, um, you know, again, you touched on some of the signings, Wheeler, Gregorius. They've been good moves. Oh, yeah. Those guys Gregorius have been outstanding been great as well. yeah. um, for this baseball team. So it's nice to see. We'll see if they can keep it rolling now, 18 and 15. Top two teams in each division get a playoff spot. You can't do that in this division, especially with the Mets floundering. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't deserve uh, anything at all. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to – The Nationals it, are cooked. I mean, Strasburg. Yeah, they're cooked. Yeah. And I thought they – again, I said it, you know, seven, eight podcasts ago, I thought a shortened season benefited a team right. like the defending champs. They've been a grease fire. So, um, a- what the hell do I know? Absolutely. All right, we got a game seven, John Mita. Yes, we do. Three of them in the NHL. And I want to say this quickly. On the bubble, I heard through the grapevine from a hockey operations person that was in the bubble at one point. Yeah. Okay. And this came through somebody else. So it's a second hand. But I was told, quote, look, basically, don't look for 3-1 comebacks because the bubble is miserable. You get down 3-1, guys are going to check out. Well, three of the four series were 3-1, and three of them forced the game seven. Incredible. So I don't know if I got bad info on the bubble or what. To me, I would think, again, there's a lot of sacrifice there. You spend 50, 60 days in a hotel, the bubble can probably wear on you. The first week you're there, you're like food trucks, golf simulators, restaurants. I'm playing hockey. It's not too bad. You're there two freaking months in a hotel. Right. You're probably at some point like, how many times can I play bags, yeah. you know, against the uh, the guys from the Avalanche? Like, right. I, I get it, right? Yeah. Like, it probably wears on you. But we've seen three teams force a game seven, including the Flyers. Man, every single win in this series has been a, has been a, uh, a heart attack uh, effort, you know, back and forth, up and down, with the lead, trailing. But they won them all in OT. And uh, right now, I think the pressure's on the Islanders heading into Game 7. Do you agree? 150%. There is no doubt about it. Because when you have, you know, when you're, you're putting that much pressure, 3-1, and you go to close out, and then you lose in overtime. Right. It's, it's such a deflating thing. It's like, you know, somebody on Facebook wrote, a friend of mine wrote, Tom, he wrote, I'm praying for overtime on Saturday night, you know, which is just hilarious because that's the only time the Flyers seem to get yeah. seem to get their act together. Uh, the amazing thing about last night was that basically, um, usually the Flyers, the, the, the biggest set that I saw all year that was just a mind blower to me, just not following hockey as closely that I follow the other sports, is that the Flyers were number one in the NHL for giving out shots a game. They were only yeah, fewer shots, fewer yeah. shots, 17 shots a game last night. How many did Carter Hart take on 57, 53? I think he made, I think he made 40, 49 or 51 saves or something. Right. Yeah, it was something. Crazy. He was busy. Yeah. And it didn't feel, I don't know during the game, you know, they kept flashing up the stack graphic. Right. I don't know that it felt like that to me. No. I, I know the Flyers were probably at some point getting what they deserved when they were trailing going yeah. in the third, but I, I don't know that it felt like a 54 to 31 edge or whatever it turned out to be um, at the end of the night. But, it, you know, it is what it is. At the end of the day, you know, they were one shot away from winning the game and they got it. And that's sometimes the way you have to look at it. You know, you can't, you ha- can't look at the hits on the scoreboard in, the, in baseball. You can't look at the rushing yards in football. You look at the scoreboard. You know, if it's seven nothing in the fourth quarter, you get you know 
one score away, right? Like that's, that's the mentality you need no matter what the sport when, when it's a close game. You know, we're one shot away from tying it. We're one shot from winning this thing. And that's got to be the message on the bench. The bottom line for me in game seven is limit the mistakes. If the Islanders are going to beat you, make them earn it, yeah. okay? The two-on-ones, the three-on-twos, oh. the power oh plays, God. they're giving me fits. Oh. Just play your game, play smart, no lethargic hockey. I can't stand – like, the thing that kills me about the Flyers, and I feel like it stems from their defense, is the lackadaisical approach at times. Like, you cannot fall asleep against this Islanders team for a half of a shift, let alone a period or two periods, because they will stay in the zone. They will buzz around. They have no problem working at low to high, cycling pucks. They are waiting for you to screw up so that one of their you know, talented forwards or one of their opportunistic guys like a Broussard is going to jam it right up your you-know-what. So you got to have an approach that it's every shift matters, every time that puck's on your stick blade it matters, every time your back-checking matters. You can't take a second off with this team. And when the Flyers have played their game, when they've been aggressive, when they've had that hungry approach, they can hang. They've been the better team at times. Have they been the better team the whole series? Probably not. But here you are. You've got a game seven. you got a young goaltender who doesn't seem to get phased in the spotlight. And I think the Flyers right now, they've proven they've wanted it. You know, they could have rolled over so many times in this series. They could have rolled over last night in game six ten times over. This team wants it. That's a mark of a good coach. That's a mark of a group that cares about each other. I love seeing it. So if they go out, I got no qualms. They've shown us a lot. But I think they have a lot of, you know, moxie in that room. I think they've got a lot of skill, as we know. And I think right now they're playing with some confidence. The Islanders are going to feel a little bit of heat. Early in game seven might be a feeling out process. I don't know if I expect either team to have to weather a storm. But, I, you know, I'd be stunned if this isn't a close game. I think the big story tomorrow is going to be Carter Hart. He's going to be the better goaltender. I know he's still the young kid, but in these type of games, when it comes to game seven, I think this kid's grown up a lot. I think he's going to be huge. I love the fact that it just having Oscar Lindblom on the ice yesterday, you know, big ups to Oscar. Yeah, that, man. That was Spread huge, the love. Like, amen. Yeah, that was a huge emotional lift for them as they start out like gangbusters. But you're right. They cannot turn the puck over. They, they, they just have to lay it all out there. I mean, I know it sounds extremely cliche, but they got to dig the pucks out of the net. They can't, like, allow the Islanders to just dig on the forward check, you know, take away the puck, and then just hit somebody out front. I've seen it over and over. It's just been, like, tantalizing to watch that. And I think, listen, Elaine Vigneault, he's come back from 3-1 deficits before. He did it against Trotz. So, I, I think uh, – I, I don't know. I think there's. I, th- I think the Flyers are going to find a way to get it done. I'm going to give a quick prediction. I'm going to go Flyers and a sweater, and I'm going with 4-3. All right. I'll go 4-2 with a rare empty net goal in this series to salt it away. Love it. Uh, and the empty net are coming from Giroux. you got to look for your best players to be your best players. But I think that, the, again, I, 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 you know, I'm, from what I've seen in this playoffs, when – when Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers are playing well, when they're not turning pucks over, when they're not getting lost in the D zone, this Flyers team is very hard to beat. So I look for the young kids on defense to play their best game of the series, and the Flyers get it done. Uh, again, do not turn away from a shot. Get everything to the net. The Flyers' goals have come from pounding that puck up top, 
and looking for scrambles. That's it. Just shoot the damn puck. I mean, that was the other thing about crazy about last night is that, like, through, like, 30 minutes of hockey, they had less than 10 shots on yeah. goal. Yeah, like, put it at the net. Just, just fire. Who knows? You're going to get a rebound. I mean, this guy, Verlamov, he yeah, gives he's it, been hot and cold. He, you know, he's, he's, there are a couple he of games he hasn't rebounds. tracked the puck well. Exactly. exactly. I'm with I like you. It. All right, so we got the Flyers pulling it out because yep. they're both homers. I love it. No doubt. Uh, you had a quick rant you wanted to go on here yeah. in our closing well, seconds on our abbreviated Brother to Love podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. Johnny Meter ran away. All right, quick rant. I just want to talk about the out-of-nowhere hiring of Steve Nash uh, to the Brooklyn Nets. He became the uh, Brooklyn Nets head coach. Uh, now we'll get the coach Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. But there was one ESPN commentator, Stephen Screaming A. Smith, that had to just turn everything into a race issue again. He essentially came out and said that it was white privilege, and that's why Steve Nash got hired. Not due to the fact that maybe he was the best candidate for the job. People also fail to realize that KD, Kevin Durant, and Steve Nash have a very close relationship because Steve Nash was an advisor for the Golden State Warriors for like the last four years, a couple of years that he was out there. So they worked out together. They have a great relationship. I'm just so sick and tired of Stephen A. Smith bringing things up like this. Like, uncle, stop, stop, stop. Stop using everything as race. Like, that's who they wanted. And if two of their superstar players signed off on it, I don't think there should be a discussion. doesn't matter if he's white, black, purple, yellow, green. Okay, that's who they wanted, Steve Nett. Oh, they passed over guys like Tyrone Lou, he said, and somebody else. I'm like, listen. Tyrone Lue might become the Sixers head coach. I wouldn't be right. part of him because I don't know how damn good of a head coach he is without LeBron James. So I'm just, again, man, I'm just so tired, sick and tired of Stephen A with his race rants, man. Just stop. Stop the madness. Just, just speak about something different because you know what? You just rubbed me the wrong way. And I would love for him to come on this podcast and just I would <laughs> flat out ask him. You know when Charles Barkley finally put him in his place? And I love yep. that. So, big ups to Barkley putting Stephen A. Smith. See you later. I hope you get canceled. Now we're living in a cancer culture. The best thing ESPN could do is cancel Stephen A. Smith. I love it. Johnny Mita, always a pleasure. Appreciate you making some time to bang out this podcast. We talked about it. We said if it goes seven, emergency pod. So, we crushed it. Great job. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, on all your podcast platforms, like, comment, all that stuff. We appreciate everybody tuning in to the Brotherly Love Podcast. Go fly, guys. Game seven, baby. Nothing like it. Stanley Cup playoff hockey. John Amita, always a pleasure, my friend. You got it, buddy. Good to talk all to right, you. All right, thanks, As everybody, always. for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Let's go, next. Flyers! Holla till next time. We'll see